Welcome to the Christopher Peter Review. My name is Christopher Peter and it is my pleasure to introduce you to the podcast that will serve as your source for common sense analytical commentary on salient current events impacting our public policy, economic outcomes, and overall society. Our objective is to provide ideas and analysis to help make our society a better place to live, work, and thrive in. How do we measure success? And how should we measure success? Typically, the measure of an effective performance in any job is what you actually accomplish on the job. For instance, your manager may grade you on how well you performed against a set criteria for your position. Depending on where you land on the corporate pyramid, you might be measured on how far your efforts went to advance your organization's goals and objectives. The standards should change depending on the field you are in and the level of power you hold. In politics, our politicians are measured on how well they did to achieve their agenda items and how it improved the social problem it was meant to address. Also, our politicians are measured on how well they handle events and situations that are unexpected. As I mentioned in prior podcasts, the three main areas to measure our elected officials are the health of our economy, safety of our nation and communities, and how well our institutions serve the needs of the people. Results should matter at the highest levels of society. For the people depending on those results, there really is not a chance for you to do better next year. Because the harm caused may not be irrevocable. My name is Jennifer and welcome. Gleaning from the work example you used, there are those people who want the appearance of being productive without actually being productive. We all know those people who paint a picture of productivity, but were never truly around when the work was actually being done. Or people who are there for the visible moments but not when the sleeves are rolled up. The goal is to work smarter, not harder. But there is no escaping hard work and effort. That is what we are seeing in our politics today. There is an optic of effort and ability, but we are not truly seeing that in the results and outcomes. Upon taking office, we were promised that there would be adults in the room handling the big issues facing our society. But that has not truly been the case. On almost every major issue, the Biden administration has taken the wrong approach, appeared overwhelmed, or late to the party. More effort spent on messaging than actually addressing the issues. There is a tactic in politics where you control the narrative and manage how the public perceives your performance. We saw this with the pandemic. An event that was dynamic and difficult to effectively implement policy when the situation changed daily. But, reality does not always win elections. Instead, the optic that the Biden campaign used was that managing the pandemic is easier than people thought. All that was required was a competent president and compassionate person. A messaging strategy that exploited his opponent's biggest perceived weakness. At the moment at least. Now we must remember that Biden took office with two or three approved and ready to distribute COVID vaccines. Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J all were at the federal government's disposal to address the vaccine. Yet, the response by the Biden administration was short of expectations. In fact, more people died under Biden than Trump when you compare the same time period. Deaths during the Trump era were claimed to be preventable, which would make the deaths during their time in office more preventable if you follow their logic. In reality, the pandemic was a difficult event where both administrations made the best decisions they could at the time. They did not afford any benefit of the doubt to the prior administration, so therefore they should not receive either. I think it is an important quality for people to be able to be honest and forthright in public office, especially with issues that impact outside of those in the halls of power. Especially when those issues require people to prepare for what lies ahead. At the beginning of our recent experience with inflation, the expected approach was not taken. One would expect any administration to be honest and acknowledge that inflation is occurring and put forth a sense of calm by letting people know that you have a plan to address it and there are steps they can take to blunt the effect on their households until it gets under control. 
that is not the approach that was taken. Instead there was instant denial and disinformation that inflation was something that only impacted the wealthy or was a right-wing conspiracy theory as is everything these days. You do not have to be an economist to understand that the people tasked with managing the economy were not completely honest. Inflation is a real thing that needs to be managed through balanced fiscal and monetary policy. Inflation is something always present in the economy. When you give what is perceived to be free money to people to spend when your economy is far from full capacity and producers cannot staff to meet demand, then you are going to have inflation. That is a natural economic occurrence to raise the price levels to impact demand down to a sustainable level to allow supply to match. For instance, we saw toilet paper fly off the shelves during the pandemic. If not in a pandemic, a way the market would stabilize demand would be to increase the price of toilet paper so that people would only buy what they needed because the excess purchases would be cost prohibitive. The new equilibrium point would ideally settle where people would be able to get no more than they need at a price they can afford. At the macro level, inflation brings a new equilibrium point for a basket of goods and services. Unfortunately, that macro level is very painful to many at the individual level. Unless you are blessed with disposable income to buffer the impact. Quite the opposite impact of what we were told. The question many people have when there are challenges like inflation, the pandemic, or any other crisis is usually what you are going to do about it, how long will it take to realize the benefit, and what will the impact be on the average person? When you do not have a plan, I believe that is usually when you see the people at the podiums tell us that there is nothing to see here. But, inflation was not like the pandemic, which was new and unique. We have had many instances of high inflation. So there should have been a playbook at hand to address it. Fortunately, the Federal Reserve took action that has so far reigned in inflation a bit, but it still is expected to linger. Raising interest rates may have made the cost of inflation higher, as it now directly impacted large ticket purchases like homes, cars, and financial assets, it did stem demand to some degree and made investors more cautious with their spending sprees during the free money era. Obviously, the risk now is with employment and a possible full-blown recession. Many large-scale employers are trimming some of the massive number of people hired since the pandemic, as financing is no longer as easy to secure as it was pre-inflation. While it does not appear to be dropping to the previous levels, those laid off will increase the number of people who were working last year and not this year. That will increase people accessing government benefits and social safety nets, which will pressure policymakers to raise taxes, which will further harm the shaky economy. Not a hopeful economic outlook. So how should we expect policymakers to handle a potential economic recession? Some worried that the Federal Reserve would not be able to address inflation as effectively as it had because of the perceived risk of raising rates. The naysayers were largely wrong depending on if we head into a full-blown inflation. Based on what we know of the current administration, the approach will probably be a government spending program to fill any gaps in the economy that may arise. Even that may not be possible with a split Congress and many big spending programs already put in place like infrastructure and then a large budget deal passed before the new Congress took office. Based on the track record, I'm not too sure we can be confident in their ability to manage us through a recession that they might just try to deny while we descend into it. The best we can hope for is that we have the Obama-style stagnation. I guess that would be the soft landing only few economists believe is possible. There seems to be a growing consensus that we will experience a recession. How long that recession will last, how the administration addresses it, and how successful they will be is not fully known at this point. Spending for the sake of spending will not help the economy. Spending in the right areas and in a manner where there is a stimulating effect will help. During the stagnant economic era experienced under former President Barack Obama, 
The problem with the massive spending programs was that they aimed at industries not sustainable at that point and ones the general public did not really rally around or gravitate to. By that I mean they did not buy those products, seek employment in those industries, or invest in those areas. Rather it was just spent money that benefited those organizations, but many did not survive without that spending. We can imagine that there will be some spending that will aim to benefit green energy producers or sustainable organizations, but that impact may be overall muted. People are still dragging their feet on electric vehicles, which do not meet the needs of the masses to this point. The industry made some progress, but still not convincing people to spend a massive more on a vehicle that reduces their range of transportation. Spending on increasing domestic production capacity for staple goods can help protect employment while reducing our reliance on nations who are aligning with those who are on the opposite of our values and best interests. There is no easy answer to how to protect society and our economy from the upcoming recession. But, I think it is important for people to prepare themselves and their households for possible impacts. There are probably many of you who know people who have recently lost their jobs or have been laid off. Not an easy feeling. Many companies will use this time to trim staff even if there is not an immediate financial reason to do so. So it is important for people to check their financial situations and make the best possible nest egg that you can build. Also, I think people should be more assertive at their respective places of employment and more visible so that they are more recession-proof. Sure there will always be opportunities to advance careers or change jobs. But, you want to do so on your own terms, not your employer's. Even if you are not completely happy with your role, this may not be the time to quiet quit or make impulsive choices. Recessions are not all doom and gloom for everyone, but it can be challenging if you are directly impacted. Although there are many big-name companies announcing reductions in staff, I do believe many companies will aim to keep employees this time around who might have made cuts in the past. The difficulty and cost of attaining talent in the recent market may make employers realize the importance of keeping people who create value and to have a long-term view of the situation. Companies should not always bow to expectations of investors or activists, but make sound economic decisions based on the long-term view of their organizations. Many of these cost-cutters are quick to lower the labor expense, but fail to see the impact on quality and the customer experience. The reason so many people believe things are not how they used to be is because of short-term quick fixes with the investor in mind and not the customer. There are so many chains where the quality of service is so much lower than it used to be. Spreadsheets can give you great insight into a company and the value it generates. But, there is missed value in how people add value in ways that are not easily measured. Of course, we do not want to have a staff of people providing the optic of working and not actually doing anything that will increase the value of their organization thus keeping them employed. Companies need value creators, but should not be blind to those who create value that is not easily recognized. One area where we should not allow optics to replace results is the safety and well-being of our respective communities. Each and every day we are noticing our communities continue to devolve into dangerous uninhabitable areas. For instance, I once resided in a nice community in New York City, the Queens Borough. Compared to many other areas, it was safe, vibrant, and very diverse. Great place to eat, enjoy an adult beverage, or just walk around and take in the atmosphere. Not a native New Yorker by any means, lived there for a while. Then I moved, but came back to visit friends in many of the local places that I enjoyed. During the pandemic and since, the area has taken a turn for the worse. People I knew experienced crime that was not ever a thought back when I was there. When I was visiting a person before they left the state, we witnessed a person trying to climb the fence to the apartments in an attempt to evade police. It has been a while since I have been back there since many people I knew no longer live there and some places no longer are in business. 
This is the case with many cities and communities around the nation. The events of the pandemic definitely impacted how we interact, but it goes well beyond that. We somehow lost some of our humanity and basic decency. Not sure New York ever had decency. I am somewhat kidding. But, we see this everywhere. Many of our great cities are becoming havens from crime. Experiencing historic levels of crime including violent crime. Crimes also committed by youths who are throwing their life away by carjacking, armed robberies, and even murder. Many local policymakers want to wish away the problem, but they have been completely ineffective at addressing the issue. At the podium, they want to tell you it is again a right-wing conspiracy theory. But, some of these local leaders have become victims themselves, as was the case in Philadelphia. Unless the crime is a gun crime committed by a white supremacist, there does not seem to be an appetite to address crime. We should oppose crime or all kinds, not just the ones that fit narratives. A major factor to consider is that many politicians, especially those on the left, have not balanced the need to enforce laws and maintain public safety, while trying to address biases that may exist in the justice system. Rational people realize that law enforcement is needed and criminals, especially the violent ones, need to be removed from our society. Now, we can have a debate about whether we are incarcerating too many people. A valid debate because not every crime should result in someone being sent to prison. Sometimes a fine, house arrest, rehabilitation, or some other program may be more beneficial to both helping the criminal turn away from crime and society affording a second chance to nonviolent offenders. But we cannot ignore crime or place greater concern for the criminal instead of the victims. I do think there is room for compassion and rethinking the approach that everyone goes to jail. There are issues with biases and discrimination in our system. No denying that. But it is not to the extent where it is prevalent. Incidents that make the headlines are many times exemplifying excessive force, but these are still highly rare. Sometimes the suspect's own actions contribute to the outcome. Sometimes the officers are committing a crime themselves. The reality should be that if an officer has demonstrated excessive force or operated beyond the scope of acceptability that society holds them accountable. Not just stop doing the vital service that people need. I agree that this politicization of policing has given cover to those in our society with the worst intentions. We need to enforce the laws in an appropriate and fair manner. I think data helps every situation. But, we cannot pretend that every demographic does crime equally or by equal number. There are some crimes more prevalent by each group, which is a result of a variety of factors. So, I do not believe you can enforce laws based on a quota system. The deciding factor should be whether a crime was committed, not whether you arrested equal numbers of people of all backgrounds. If data shows that some people are avoiding arrest, then the appropriate action is greater enforcement not just letting suspected criminals continue doing their alleged criminal acts. A person should be able to report a crime and expect justice to occur without consideration of demographics. If a crime is committed, the suspect should face a fair process through the justice system and receive fair and equitable punishments if found guilty regardless of demographics. We cannot allow perceived or real flaws in the criminal justice system to determine whether we will abide by the law or not. There is no such thing as victimless crime, so we should all recognize the responsibility to do no harm to others. People make mistakes, but that does not mean they do not have to answer or atone for their mistakes. Or at the very least understand the need to change their ways and work on doing so. But, we as a society must value life, respect the right for others to live without fear of harm or property destruction. We must not allow anger, resentment, or momentary loss of character to change the path of our futures. Sometimes it means we take the high road. 
I do think that people need to understand that mental health issues are real and seeking help is not a sign of weakness but a sign of strength. I believe many people have unresolved anger and direct that anger in unhealthy manners. Many people find ways to cope but there is only so long you can cope before it spills over. If you struggle to handle situations appropriately or have feelings that you are not sure how to manage, seek help. No one is going to label you as crazy. Sometimes talking to someone is the best way to manage. You do not have to worry about the optic of being in control. Get the help you need to actually be in control. We should also make this more accessible so that people choose the right path to address challenging situations rather than going down the path of violence. I completely agree. Sometimes people lose perspective and need a mental health professional to help them gain it back. The challenge is accepting the personal responsibility that you have a problem that you want to address and finding someone who can help you. We all need help at times in life, but no one can want it more than you do. That is where personal responsibility comes in. For too long in our society, we have made personal responsibility a bad thing. For too long, politicians have gone to great lengths to separate responsibility from people who need it the most. I believe that is why there are so many unresolved feelings. Because there is an unsatisfactory situation and people wait for an external solution that is not coming. So they act upon that emotion rather than managing it and handling it appropriately. While you may not have the solution by yourself, you should be willing to champion your cause. Ask for help from those around you. Inquire from people facing the same issue or faced it already and came out on the other side. Personal responsibility does not mean that you have to bear the full burden, but that you are the driving force for your solutions. That is what is so missing in our society, where it is always someone else's fault. Too many people are waiting for a superhero when they have it inside them already. We are under the optic that society owes us more or that life is fair. The reality is we are our best asset and we can find solutions to problems in a rational manner if we make the right choices. Sometimes the right choice is asking for a different or outside perspective. As I stated in the Transparency Podcast episode, I hope that we are able to see things as they are not as they seem. We need to be able to see and understand the facts, evidence, and data behind important issues and events in order to make the right choices of how to approach them. At times our leaders portray the optic of having everything under control when the reality is that they have nothing under control. As was the case many times in our past, the best solutions must come from the people. We must use our ingenuity and ambition to weather the economic storm and generate economic growth. In the past recession, we saw a rise in innovative services that helped people find income to meet their needs and new delivery services to expand opportunities for producers and new channels for consumers. To make us a more united, safer, and decent society, we must accept the responsibility to respect the rights of others, value life, and be willing to show strength in asking for help when needed. In closing, I thank Jennifer for her continued contributions to this podcast. Also, I thank the audience for taking the time to experience this episode of the Christopher Peter Review Podcast. We truly appreciate your viewership and continue to collaborate to ensure we offer you common sense and informative content. Please continue to visit us at www.crcrvw.com for new content and explore the content channels available. Thank you once again for experiencing this podcast episode and we will see you next time.